about it. Okay. Hi, Kelly. Hi, Kim. Hi. <laughs> Welcome to the Witty Network, Kelly. I Thank know. You so Exciting times. Our first <laughs> guest that is non-family, non right? <laughs> so this is an exciting episode. We have the one and only Kelly Lynn well, um, on our podcast on Earth. What's that? To me, you're the one. You're the only Kelly Lynn I know. <laughs> All right, I'm. I'm just. You know, so, I just want to be clear. Um, I'm probably not the one and only <laughs> in my world. <laughs> okay, that's good. I like okay. that. Okay. <laughs> so, um, I'll just introduce Kelly. Um, so she's a stand-up comedian, an author, an actor, a speaker. Girl in the viral sensation Vine video, <laughs> McFallon. Is it McFallon or McFallon? McFallon, like Mc I fell down. McFallon. Okay. <laughs> and recently became um, a grief coach in um, small town Massachusetts with her now husband, Nick, and their two kitty cats. So Kelly is a proud TEDx speaker. Her TEDx talk performed live on March 31st of 2017 in New York City is titled, When Someone You Love Dies, There's No Such Thing As Moving On. The video has gone viral on YouTube and almost 2 million views and counting. That's astounding. Yeah. Kelly became widowed suddenly in July of 2011 when her 46-year-old seemingly healthy husband, Don, collapsed from a cardiac arrest. His um, death, since his death, sorry, comedy has been a source of healing. Kelly has taken her dead husband comedy to several venues and events, including um, performing stand-up for a couple hundred psychiatrists, therapists, and doctors at an award event. Kelly has also um, presented her comedic 75-minute talk to groups of widowed men and women at Soren Spirits Camp Widow in San Diego, Tampa, and Toronto since 2013. Her favorite sound in the universe is of widowed people laughing. Kelly's first book, My Husband is Not a Rainbow, the brutally awful, hilarious truth about life, love, grief, and loss was released in June of 2018 and is currently available on Amazon. Go buy your copies and from her website. Um, in June of 2017, Kelly began dating a wonderful man named Nick. They moved into their apartment the day before the pandemic. How lucky. Oh. After yeah. surviving quarantined life together, they decided to get married and held a private COVID safe ceremony at the Groton Inn on New Year's Eve in 2020. Congratulations. She's a married woman. Thank you. <laughs> the entire world was invited by a live stream Facebook live. Kelly continues ongoing, her ongoing mission to change the conversations we have surrounding grief and loss and to help other widowed people find purpose, meaning, joy again while living with the death of a person they love. Kelly believes that love grows love and that nobody ever really dies as long as we continue to tell their story. Wow, that was a mouthful, but so true. Yeah. And so, I, yeah, longest intro I've ever heard in my entire <laughs> life. I think I aged a couple of years during that. <laughs> yeah. 
so you know it's really interesting that you say so i met you i think for the first time in 2013 yeah yeah and um i attended so sorry was it 20 2013 was your first camp yep my first camp was in 2013 in um myrtle beach oh okay okay so i Tampa. yeah my first camp was 2012 okay in san diego and so yes it was um Poor Widow Me was the person who did the comedy that very first year. And, and so um, in 2013, and you know, like you can relate to this, like in your first year of widowhood, you're just like a robot going around kind of in this daze and fugue state, right? So 2013, I, you know, I got the vibe. People were like, oh, you have to go listen to Kelly Lynn. And, you know, uh, my husband is not a rainbow and this, that, and the other. And, um, you know, so I'm at camp and I'm thinking, this is kind of crazy. It's my second time, you know, and maybe it made more sense being my second time there, but I, I still remember how much I laughed at my husband is not a rain, you know, when you did that. And I came away from there thinking, wow, I have not laughed so much since my husband died. Like I had not, you know, I laughed like right up at my neck, but mm-hmm. like to have like that full belly laugh. And, and I, as I was laughing, I'm like thinking, this is so crazy. Like we're all widowed in here and everybody was cracking up. And I'm like, this is really crazy. You know, like it it was just that moment of feeling like, oh, I can be so sad and so um, at a loss without my person, but still have that deep laughter. Like they were not mutually exclusive. And that was really, really powerful moment for me. So that's amazing. And I, I also think that um, the reason that you could laugh like that is because you were in a room full of other widowed people. Yeah. And that's what's that's why it's my favorite sound, widowed people laughing, because, you know, if I do a comedy show in a comedy club, that's fun. Like, it's fun. Mm-hmm. But that's it. It's not deep and meaningful. It's just fun. But if I do a comedy performance for widowed people, I know what those people have been through and what they're going through every day and every hour. And cause I'm going through it too. And to, to just hear them laughing all together, all at once in this big room and it's echoey and loud and there's so much laughter and you can almost hear like the pain coming through the laughter. Yeah. And it's just an amazing thing. Like I can't describe how meaningful that is to me Absolutely. to be able to do that and how much I enjoy doing that. Yeah. yeah. Kelly, I saw you at my first camp, which was in Tampa in 2018. So almost four years ago. And um, I somehow, um, I was not part of social media at all until after Scott died. And I um, kind of assumed his Facebook account for a while. And then I figured I need my own. And somewhere along the line, I got connected. Um, I don't even remember, of course, you know, widow brain and early grief. Um, I somehow got 
um, directed toward you. And I remember watching you um, perform Christmas songs <laughs> live on Facebook. And um, I, and so that was a month into widowhood for me. And when I heard that you were going to be at camp and that you do a comedic presentation at camp, well, I was like, well, this is bonus. This will be great. And of course, I don't even know what other breakout session was happening at the time that your session was happening, but I think everybody in that conference was in your session. And we, and that whole room just filled with laughter. And um, that was probably the first time that I had belly laughed since Scott had died. And that was about four months after he died. So um, I've gone to all of your um, presentations at all the camps that I've gone to. So I've seen you perform four times and I will say it's never the same. Um, and you always different each time, you know? Yeah. I mean, the, the fundamental is, is there, but there's always something new that's humorous and fun that we all connect with and you telling your stories. Um, the pants story is my favorite. Oh my gosh. That is my favorite. Yeah. (laughs) I have come back and shared that story with our group here in Denver (laughs) at the dinners. And then people come up to our table and they're like, so what are you guys celebrating? <laughs> right? right? We get that too at our regional <laughs> groups because we're, we're all laughing so much. Yeah, and yeah. People coming up to us, what kind of group is this? Are you having a class reunion or something? And we're like, no, our husbands are dead. <laughs> and then they go, oh. <laughs> yeah, just no gonna idea. shrink out of the room. <laughs> uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. No idea what to say after that. Yeah. So, um I I know um both of us. So, you know, you were talking about um talking about the ways we've changed in widowhood. And so one of the things that really changed for me was reading books like reading print books, like I, I just don't have the capacity that I used to anymore. And so I have your book sitting here, it looks so brand new. <laughs> um, but um, I'm sure people would like to hear kind of like your brief, you know, what's your story? Like, how did you and Dawn meet? Like what, you know, what is Kelly and Dawn and how how it was leading up to his death and you know what's happened afterwards and you know we will filter in questions and stuff as we as we go along but yeah so tell us about Kelly and Dawn. (laughs) Okay (laughs) so um I was living in the New York City area for a bunch of years um you know I'm from Massachusetts but I went to New York City to go to college for acting and I always wanted to be an actor and median and all that stuff beyond my dream was to be on Saturday Night Live that's what I wanted um and so I went to New York and I pursued that and graduated college and had multiple you know jobs in the theater industry and and I was a professor at um a university for a number of years and during that time I was you know dating and stuff and I went online one night and um not with the purpose of dating, but there was this chat room that was in um, America Online, if anybody remembers that. Oh yeah, that's (laughs) your aging yourself there. (laughs) I'm aging myself. This was in 1998 and 
uh, America Online uh, was was the thing, and it was dial-up back then. So um, now I'm really aging myself. So you get online, and you'd constantly be cut off, and they'd be like, goodbye, goodbye, because you get cut <laughs> off all the time. And, and then you have to log back on, and it was such a pain. Yeah. took forever. Um, and there was this chat room on America Online, and I don't remember the name of it, but it was basically a place where you would play this game a trivia game about 1980s music and one hit wonders. And I love 80s music because I'm a child of the 80s. I was, you know, a teenager in the 80s. And um, so I went in there, I would go in there after work sometimes and play this game where people would type out lyrics to songs and you'd guess, oh, that's safety dance, men without hats or whatever. And it was fun. And there was 30, 40 people in this room usually. Well, this particular night, there was me, and one other dude, and his screen name was Way Above Par, which is a golf <laughs> reference, which I did not know at the time because I know nothing about golf. <laughs> and mine was camel socks. And that's just my random sense of humor. A camel wearing <laughs> socks. I thought that was funny. And so him and I started talking and he was like, where is everybody? Is it usually this dead in here? And I said, no, it's, it must be you, you know? And <laughs> We just immediately started joking around with each other. I don't know what it was about him, but I just wanted to make fun of him and annoy him. And like, it was, it was like this instant friendship developed and we started typing back and forth for five hours that night. Wow. Nobody ever showed up in the room and we moved it over to an instant message conversation and we just kept typing. And then it was a very casual thing at first and for a long time because he was in Florida and I was in New York. So we weren't thinking relationship or anything. We were just two people talking and enjoying each other's company and laughing like crazy. And so we just kind of said, hey, will you be around tomorrow night on the computer? Because I'll sign on again if you are. And he was like, sure, I'd love some more abuse. And so <laughs> so then we we ended up talking again and again and again and it became a nightly thing for us both after work and then we eventually exchanged numbers and we eventually met in person it took almost four years for us to meet in person wow. um wow. So, yeah so it was a big friendship for a very long time um and we met in person actually we met in person after 9 11 happened oh. because you know, I was living in New York City and he was in Florida. And on that day, he couldn't get a hold of me, obviously, because yeah. all, all the phones were down, everything, you know, everything that happened. And it was like two days or so before he could reach me. And he thought I was dead. He had no idea. He had never been to New York. So he, in Whoa. his mind, he was thinking, oh, my God, this, this person died or something, you know, like, I don't know where she works. I don't know what area of the city it's in. And so he was like freaking out. And then finally I was able to reach him and I said, I'm okay. And, and he said, I don't ever want to go through that again. I need to meet you in person and we need to figure out what this is. Like we need to figure out if this is love or what this is because I was freaking out and you know, I, I did not like that feeling. So that's why we met. And then he made a, a, you know, he booked a flight and he came out to New York and we met that year and fell in love <laughs> so it was you know however you choose to look at it it was fate it was by accident I don't know but little of both maybe. meant to be 
Yeah, yeah. And then he eventually moved to the New York City area. I, I lived in New York for a while, and then I lived in New Jersey, which was like, you know, eight minutes outside of New York City, basically, right, um, right on the Hudson River. Mm-hmm. And so he moved in with me, and we had our little crappy apartment together and our little crappy car that we share. And, you know, we, we got married in 2006 and then we had a very, very happy, you know, wonderful life that was kind of building and, you know, hadn't bought a house yet, hadn't had a chance to have children yet or anything like that. Um, it was in the beginning of, of the marriage and, you know, just kind of starting out with, with those sort of things. So we were, we had a lot of dreams. We had a lot of things that we were planning. And then one day he went to work and he never came home. And it was an ordinary Wednesday, um, July of 2011. And he was a paramedic. And um, on that particular day, it was his day off. And on his days off, he was a huge animal lover. So he would go to um, a rescue shelter and he would volunteer his time um, to help with the cat and dog adoptions. Mm. So they found him about an hour after he got there at like five in the morning, um, collapsed on the floor and he had a massive heart attack. And they say he died instantly. I mean, they had the ambulance, they went to the hospital, all of that, but they said he never really uh, regained consciousness. Mm. So and I was asleep, I was at home, it was early in the morning and you know, my world changed with a, a ringing phone over and over again, mm-hmm. telling me that I needed to come to the hospital. We have your husband is what they kept saying. And I didn't know what the hell they were talking about because what do you mean you have my husband? He just left for work an hour ago, you know? Right. And um, yeah, I mean, to say it was, you guys know, to say it was shocking is not even close to trying to explain the feeling of how shocking it was and how it rocked my world with, you know, sudden death like that. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. And Sade knows that far too well herself. Yeah. Our stories are very, very similar. It's 2011 and mine was a few months before yours. And um, I actually came up upon him with where he'd had the heart attack and people already helping him. So getting that what, what I now recognize was PTSD I don't I don't know if you but there were things that would trigger my mind to just spin because oh, yeah. you know oh, yeah. you, you just couldn't stop I, I had no I, you know I thought PTSD it's so crazy how you think about um how trauma affects widowed people yeah because we think of those kind of things happening only when you're in war or something really great, you know? And yep. so the idea of your head to be able to spin what happened over and over and over again, I just thought I was being crazy. You know, I, I didn't even know what to dis- to ascribe to it, if that makes yeah. any sense to you. Me too. And I had never experienced that kind of, you know, like, like after his death, I, I had a ton of panic attacks and I had like, mm-hmm. you know, the, that's part of the PTSD. And I had, you know, I would have to pull over on the side of the road a lot of times while driving. Cause I couldn't stop shaking. And I would just have these visions of like driving off the road. It's just crazy stuff. And, um, it was awful. I kept, and I'd be home alone in my apartment and I kept thinking, what if I die right now? Like, what if no one finds me and my cats eat, eat me? And <laughs> like, 
what you know like I just had these crazy thoughts because yeah. now I knew that somebody could just be here one second and then all of a sudden they're dead yeah and it made no sense to me it made no sense to my brain or my heart there was no logic to it and there still isn't 10 years later no. and there's no logic to you know when it happens in an instant like that there's no logic to it and so it's really hard to wrap your brain around it for a very long time and um I think the trauma is just I don't know it's just it's really tough to get through that initial trauma yeah someone once described it as um sorry um no 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 worries just your brain is so used to the idea of the way your life was set up with your person and for that to be just ripped away you know it's like all these neurons are just doing their thing out there but they're like wait this person is not there anymore kind of thing so it's 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 really weird but yeah Kim you what were you gonna say well I was I was just gonna say you know you were talking about the trauma and just trying to wrap your head around it and what happens if if I suddenly go that quickly and and all of the fallout because you're living through that fallout what what was the first thing you did to kind of channel your grief and mix it with the comedy the way that you do? So it's sort of a, a, a strange answer to that question, but I'll try and answer it in, in a way that makes sense. So part of it is that it just happened naturally because I was always a comedian. I was always a writer. I was always a creative person. So for me, it was it just felt natural to like start writing. Like the night he died, I was at my computer and I was furiously writing just all my thoughts. And I didn't know what I was writing. I had no idea why I was writing, but I just know it made me feel better. And, you know, I remember my mom walking into the room and saying, what are you doing? Like, what are you writing right now? You know, your husband's dead. What are you writing? And, and uh, I said, I, do. I don't know, his, his eulogy, you know, and that's what it ended up being. And I ended up you know, four days later, standing at his funeral and saying what I had written. And, wow. and then, you know, that turned into me writing on Facebook all the time, because again, it helped me, like it helped me to just put it out there and like, be totally honest about it and just tell people like, this sucks. And I don't like this. And I don't know how to feel. And I don't know how to do this. And every time I did that publicly, like wrote it on Facebook to my friends, it, I felt a little better, like getting a response from that. Mm-hmm. And so I kept doing it. And then that turned into, you know, you should write a book. And people were saying that. And, and then that turned into um, the people in my comedy community, because, you know, I was a comedian and I was doing shows locally in New York City and stuff here and there. So my comedy community sort of came forward and said, we should do a show, you know, because you have no money. Because, you know, when he died, we had no life insurance. We had nothing. Like we were paycheck to paycheck. And, you know, because it was sudden, we we were only married four years. We didn't have kids yet. So we hadn't, you know, no savings or anything like that. So I was pretty much. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. um, so my friend, Elaine Boozler, legendary comic, she's an amazing person. She, she called me and she said, why don't I headline a show in New York City? And, you know, that'll hopefully get people to come if I'm the headliner. And then you can perform and you can do dead husband jokes. <laughs> Yeah, that's what she called it. And she she said, and I'll roast your husband. Like she wanted to do like a like a classic Dean Martin roast, you know? Um mm-hmm. like the old days. And she did. It was amazing. And so she got up there and she did like a roast of Don Shepard 
and the audience was filled with all my friends and family and people that were supporting us. And, and it was just an amazing night. And that was like two months after he died. And so that was kind of the first time I put it on stage and I was, you know, just the feeling like it was such a feeling of love, like not only laughter, but also love, like Mm. just all the support and love in that room. And I just kind of knew, you know, this is what he would want me to do because he had a very twisted, sick, awesome sense of humor as well. And especially being a paramedic, you know, he would see trauma all the time. And that's how he dealt with it. He dealt with it with humor and they dealt with each other. You know, if they had to, um, you know, if they lost a kid, you know, in a car accident and then, you know, 10 minutes later, they have to get back out there and and go to work Mm -hmm. uh, on the next call, they would pull pranks on each other and stuff like that to get through that day. Yeah. So I, it was just kind of natural for me, but that doesn't mean it was easy. Like it was not easy to just make it funny. Like at first it was really hard because I was very angry. Like I had a lot of anger because I didn't know why this happened. And I just kept asking myself that, like, why did this happen? Why, why did this happen to me? Like we were so happy and what, why do I have to go through this? And why doesn't he get to live anymore? And like, there was just questions and every one of them had no answers and it all made me so angry and I think there was a point where I just kind of thought in my head you know I can turn this anger into humor and you know like if somebody said something that made me angry you know like he's in a better place or it was God's plan that he died (laughs) That's got to be the number one most inappropriate thing that people say to people. He's in a better place. I'm like, as opposed to being with me, like, (laughs) yeah, he's supposed to be with me. And you know, if it's such a great place, let's pack your bags and you go there. And I'll yeah. (laughs) So that's how I feel about that. But like, you know, I would just get angry when people would say those things and then it would just stay with anger and not go any further. And then I would just be a ball of anger. And I hated that feeling like being filled with such rage all the time. So I started turning it into, well, how can I take this anger and turn it into like a joke, like make to make fun of it, make fun of these comments and make fun of all the red tape issues you have to go through when your person dies and make fun of all the stuff that happens as a result of being widowed. And that's kind of how I, it was like a mindset for me to get through it and to cope. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, that's really, yeah. I don't know. Um, So how, how is it, how does it feel? Cause, so I think about you um, and our trajectory is kind of, you know, it's so close. And, and so I see your post and I'm like, oh my gosh, that's exactly what I was thinking. But she says it so well, you know, reading your posts on Facebook, um, hearing you. And I'm like, I'm so glad that there's someone um, out there who, um, so in our, like my husband was a writer, you know, he was really good at writing. I don't like to put my feet, I just feel, um, it's going on in my head, putting it down is a completely different thing. So being able to read how you articulate stuff on Facebook and um, see the comments and all of that. And 
very helpful to me because you know for me I was like oh we're around about the same year and it's like oh yeah that's how I felt and this you know and you know similar, yeah, similar similar timeline yeah yeah so how does it feel like um knowing how how helpful and inspiring so and I, I asked this question with so let me just give you some background. So when when we my kids and I went to grief support group, right? The 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 counselors would say things, and and rightfully so. Oh, your kids are going to be so much more helpful and so more much more compassionate. And I'll be like, f that. Like I would take <laughs> shitty kids any day. Like I I you know, and yeah. so. But truly, they they are, and you know, they they've talked to friends. You know, my daughter started a group. Well, not started. She joined a group in New York where there are other kids who have lost um, a parent or so. And so, knowing that what you do because of your loss has helped people, like how does that trap for you? Because it's it's such a high cost. Yeah. Right? It's yeah. such a high cost and, you know, yes, it's valuable to people, but how do you reconcile that? that I, I, that's a long-winded question, but yeah. Yeah, but I, I totally get what you're asking and I, it's, it's a tough thing to reconcile with, isn't it? It's a tough thing to, to try and find anything, anything that's good because of this loss feels bad because it shouldn't be good. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know, and so I try to look at it, I guess, in a more black and white way, um, kind of like, well, this happened. Like, he's dead. I can't change that. He's not here. <laughs> and so I can either, very early on, I kind of said to myself, I can take, you know, I can let this pain kill me because that's what it felt like it was going to do or I can take the pain and do something with it yeah and so and again this was not easy like it's not easy to do that by any means um and I struggled with it and it was hard but those were my two choices in my mind it was like I can either let this kill me and be a bitter, angry person because I was feeling very bitter and very angry for a long time. Or I can find a way to maybe help some people and help myself, help myself, you know, kind of stay in an actively healing place instead of uh, stuck in anger and, you know, find some new joy, I guess, or a new, a new way of life and find a way to carry him forward with me. Yeah, yeah. you know and so those were my choices and I chose to to do something with it yeah you know and that that's how I how I reconcile it is that it's helping people and it's helping me and it's a positive thing like you know it, it's a lot better than being just an angry bitter person and dying alone <laughs> you know in, in my anger in my casket of anger yeah. so I guess that's how I reconcile it because it, it it's a positive thing. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I think he would like that. He would really like that I'm, you know, making jokes about 
what happens as a result of widowhood. And he would love that, you know, that I'm making fun of all the red tape issues, you know, and, mm-hmm. and, and things you go through and, and all the stupid comments people make. Like, these are jokes he would laugh at. Like, I can picture him laughing his ass mm-hmm. off at these jokes. Like, he would mm-hmm. find them hysterical. Yeah. And I know that. So like, I know that for a fact, you know, I, I I know his sense of humor. And so that's a big part of it is that it makes me feel close to him, I guess, to do it. Mm, mm, mm. So it keeps him in my life, it keeps him relevant and it helps people and it helps me. Right. And it, it sounds like that Dawn is kind of your, um, kind of your first audience, if you will, when you're thinking of, of jokes and you're thinking of stories to tell, you're thinking of Dawn hearing them first, I imagine. Well, yeah, especially when they're about him, you know, when they're about the loss and about losing him to death and, and all of that, I am definitely thinking about how he would react and how he would, you know, be helping me. If he were alive, he would be helping me write jokes because he loved doing that. He loved kind of you know, sitting next to me when I was writing jokes or, or um, he just loved being part of that world, even though he wasn't part of that world, you know, he was, he was in the medical field, um, Mm -hmm. but he loved being with someone that was in the world of theater and and was doing acting and comedy. And, you know, he was very, very um, proud of me and he was very supportive and he was very, um, he got like a, such a kick out of it. Like he would be smiling ear to ear every time, you know, I would, he would come up with an idea and I'd be like, oh, well, all right, I'll use that. That's really funny. And he'd be like, yes, did you, I <laughs> you know, and like he just really, really was happy when that would happen. So this is kind of my way of doing that for him, I guess. Like that's part of it. I love that. I love that. That, that makes absolute sense. Um, yeah. Yeah. Were you going to say something, Kim? Nope. Nope. Um, No. So um, I know that we said um, one of the questions was how how we've changed since our person, you know, so so one of the things that I encounter a lot is um, people get stumped by when I say I'm not the person I was when my husband was alive and they're like what do you mean I'm like I'm not this expert I can't explain it to you I just know I'm not the same so and and there are lots of things that have changed you know like even physically like he loved my hair long and I cut it's like you're you're not alive you don't get long hair (laughs) you don't get you don't get I'm no more long hair so I cut my But um, how, how, what, what things have, how have you changed since he's, he's been gone? How have I not? I, 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 there's so many ways, like you said, there's so many ways that it changes you. It just changes you on like a visceral level, a, a physical level, an emotional level, every level that I think of, I am changed. And yet there's still, you know, like the core of who I am is still there, mm-hmm. but so many things are different. Like I would say one of the main things is that I no longer waste any time. Like I don't, like if I don't like something, like, I mean, this is a kind of a silly example, but like if somebody were to call me in my old life (laughs) before death and say, Hey, do you want to go out drinking at a bar next Friday night? I would probably go if that person was a good friend even though I didn't want to go, 
like that's not really my thing I don't really like drinking at a bar that's not how I I don't enjoy that Mm -hmm. but I would go so this version of me would be like no I don't want to do that like I don't want to do that that's not how I want to spend my time and I would have no problem saying no because there's no time to waste I could die tonight you could die tonight we could die right now and if I spend my last hour in some crappy bar drinking and doing something I didn't want to be doing, that's not cool. I don't want that. So I have no problem, you know, saying no to things now, I guess. And I don't waste time with people I don't want to be around and people that don't, you know, I don't want to say offer, have something to offer, but like, I guess that's what I mean. Like, you know, people that I enjoy being around. Yeah. Yeah. you know um so that's a big so, thing I think I'm way more compassionate of a person than I mm-hmm. used to be mm. um not not that I was a jerk before but <laughs> I just think I, I, I have a lot more compassion than than I used to like I sit and think about things now like mm-hmm. if somebody's annoying in a store or something I actually think well I wonder what that person is going through maybe they just lost somebody today or maybe something really bad happened 10 minutes before they came into the store and that's why they're being in a you know horrible mood and that's why they're being mean like whereas before I would just have been like oh what a horrible person that is you know and I wouldn't give it a second thought um I don't get annoyed by small things anymore, like things. And I I never really was the type to get like super annoyed at small things to begin with. But now I really don't like, you know, sitting in traffic and things like that. Like, it's just like, okay, so we're going to sit in traffic for a little while. There's bigger problems. My husband's dead. You know, (laughs) like it kind Mm -hmm. of all comes back to that. Yeah. 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 Like those are some big changes. Like it's, it's, I, I think and and I'm I'm remarried as you mentioned in my bio in the beginning that in that novel of a bio, um, <laughs> I and I think in some ways I'm a better wife to yeah. Nick than I was to Don and and that makes me sad in a lot of ways that yeah. I wasn't better for Don that he had to die for me to be better like that mm. how horrible is that you know like that I struggle with that but. Um, you know, and I wasn't a bad wife with him by any means. I just didn't know what I know now. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's the high price we pay, right? Like when we know better, we do better, right? Like, you know, it's not, um, yeah, I, those are the things that you're like, oh yeah, if you, you know, but you, you can't go back in time either. So it's like, yes, you, without fail, you have to be a better wife and Nick, um, benefits from that, which, is he going to Florida? Yes. Yeah. Oh, so I get to meet Yay. him. I'll be here. Yeah, this will actually be his third time coming with me to camp. Oh, he usually comes nice. to Florida with me. Nice, nice. That's yeah. fantastic. We're going to be on a panel together. We'll be on the Love After Loss panel together. Very That's cool. wonderful. I know. I'm so, excited. I already know he's a winner, being supportive of the widowed community. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. they love him. Everybody gets mad and loves him. Absolutely. So, so Kelly, my question was was going to be uh, since we're talking about Nick, um, how uh, how much courage did it take for you to get back in the dating pool? Um, what what was that internal dialogue like? So how much courage? Five years worth. Okay. Um, Want to put a time on it because I did not date 
I did not kiss. I did not sleep with. I did not do any. I did not look at a man. I did nothing for five years. Nothing. Nothing. And if a man looked at me, if a man flirted with me, any of that, I felt sick to my stomach. Mm -hmm. I mean, if I, I can't even explain how sick I felt at the idea of being with someone else other than my husband. And I just wanted my husband back. And I felt that way for three, four years ish. And then I started to slowly, slowly, slowly feel a little bit different. And it was such a slow shift, but it was like, I went from feeling sick to my stomach at the thought of some, being with someone else to, and then, and then I went from to, maybe that wouldn't be so bad. Maybe I'll have dinner with somebody. I wouldn't, that wouldn't be horrible, you know, and it was that slow and it took years and it took me a long time to, to kind of reconcile with the fact that I was no longer his wife. Like, I know that sounds weird, but I just couldn't, I couldn't make sense of it. Cause again, the sudden death thing, like it made no sense to me. I was like, but we were married. I was his wife. He was my husband. And now I'm just not his wife anymore. Like, just cause he's dead. Like I'm still his wife. I still love him. So it made no sense to me. Like I was supposed to just pretend I didn't love him anymore, not be in love with him anymore. I didn't know how to shift that into something that made more sense. And the only thing that helped was years of grief work with my grief counselor. I had a great grief counselor and she sat with me and talked to me about that, about that shift and making that shift. And what she told me was that the goal is not to let go of him. You're never going to let go of him. This is why I love her so much. She said, you don't have to let go of him. You're, he's going to stay a part of your life. The goal is to figure out where he fits in your life and how to shift that relationship into something that makes sense today. Mm. Because you can't be husband and wife anymore. And mm. so once I could reconcile that, which took years, then I could start dating. Wow. That's the best way to explain it. I know it's, it's weird, really... but... Mm. Yeah, and I, I know I I followed you long enough. I saw seen um how highly you thought of your therapist. So how lucky that you found someone that was really up for the task, right? Because sometimes it takes people two, three, four times to find the right fit of a therapist to and it took me that, that really too. I saw three or four people before I met her. I, you know, I met them met with them once or twice, and I was like, nope, nope, nope. <laughs> Just mm. you know, moved on, moved on, moved on, and then met her. She was like the fourth person that I sat down with and told my story again. Yeah. And then finally, it was a fit. Yeah, and and I think that's a good thing for people to know because I I know people who go to a therapist. Oh, that didn't work, and it's like. Mm -hmm. No, you, it, it's almost like dating. You have to try three, four, five <laughs> times to, so this is kind of a silly question because I, <laughs> I, I, I know Kim is not in the dating realm at all yet. I think she's still in your early stages and yes. I, I've dabbled, but I haven't met anyone compelling, but I vividly <laughs> remember my very first crush. <laughs> And um, it was such a surprise because like you, I didn't seem, I, I, I just went about my, it's like men didn't even exist. 
And so then to see this person and think, oh, wow, there's something alive still in there. It was a really shocking thing. So did you have any crushes? Like, yeah. Yeah, yeah, but it didn't happen till that five years. It was yeah. it was about four and a half years after the loss. And I sort of, again, by accident, met this person. Um, and it was weird because he also lived in Florida. It was, the whole thing was weird, but he was a friend, is a friend of Don's. And they worked together as paramedics in Florida. And he lost his wife. Oh. Um, a, a few years before. And so he, one day he sent me an email, this man sent me an email and basically telling me I worked with Don and he was such an amazing person. And I just wanted you to know that, you know, I, I know what, what this is like. I lost my wife too. And, um, it was, it was just a very nice email and we started a friendship and, um, I eventually met him in person and we had like a few, I guess, dates and, uh, yeah, it was like a crush. Like I was very, very interested in him. Um, he ended up breaking my heart. He was my first heartbreak after mm-hmm. Don's death. And, um, you know, it, it, it ended, but he, and you know, he was, he was just very scared and not ready because he was a widower also. And so he was, yeah. there was a lot of reasons, but you know, he was in the end, he was very frightened of new love. Yeah. And um, so it didn't work out, but that taught me that I could have those feelings again. And it taught me that I could like feel love again. And I could feel like, you know, that feeling, like I felt like I was 16 again. Like it was that mm-hmm. feeling, like mm-hmm. when he like kissed me, like that kind of stuff, I was like, like it was like, you know, like I felt like I was 16, <laughs> like it was that weird feeling again. Mm-hmm. And I was very surprised by it. Like, just like you were, you know, like very surprised by the whole thing. It was just so shocking and pleasant. And, you know, it was, it was really, really um, kind of amazing. And then really, really heartbreaking when it ended, like it almost felt like another death. Mm. It was really hard. Like, and a lot of people say that widowed people say that like that their first heartbreak after the loss is really difficult. Yeah. And I had quite a few of them. I had several heartbreaks before I met Nick. I had a lot of, a lot of short-lived little relationships and a lot of uh, relationships that didn't turn out to be anything that I thought were going to be something. And I I was ghosted a bunch of times, you know, that's where they just leave. They're not, I know (laughs) they just disappear and they don't ever explain why. And that happened a couple of times and that's traumatic for a widow. Yes. Oh yeah. Is this person still alive? Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so th- it was not fun. And, you know, I, I talk about all of that in, in the book, which is good because it's kind of like full circle because it takes a long time to get where I got today, you know, mm-hmm. your book came out before you and Nick married. So, um, I'm wondering if you will add some sort of an epilogue to your book eventually, if it's ever reprinted and you can discuss what that chapter is and, and confronting those fears of, of, you know, getting married and, and, you know, 
walking this 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 road again and and wondering every day is it going to happen again and talking about all of that do you plan to do that um with maybe a, maybe a new book or maybe yeah you know now that you mention it that's an actually a really good <laughs> one <laughs> um, so the book sort of the book I wrote sort of ends at the you know it's the end and the beginning because it it ends with me meeting Nick mm -hmm. and it talks about our very first meeting of each other um and then there's sort of like a little epilogue at the end but you're right it's before we got married and all of that um he his opinion of that is he deserves his own book so oh. yeah you're right <laughs> Yes, he does. Yes, he does. Marriage, marriage. Yes, yes. He also made a very funny comment, which was, you know, do I have to die too to get a book? <laughs> <laughs> Don't do that, Nick. No. <laughs> no. That's not allowed. <laughs> so, Kim, my answer is I will think about it. That's a lot to think about. Um, okay. Writing another book, it, it, this one took years and it was such a task and oh my god to say it was exhausting it was I mean I'm so glad I did it don't get me wrong it's, it's an amazing thing to have it out there now that it's done but the idea of doing it again is a little daunting so mm -hmm. but I do I would like to tell that story as well mm -hmm. maybe just in a different way I'll have to think about it yeah okay the ball is rolling now Kelly yes, <laughs> she's got her juices flowing yeah. Juices flowing. Yeah. So um I guess we should plug your book. Um My Husband is Not a Rainbow. And um it has a um it has a picture of Dawn and the cat and a rainbow. And yep. you have to buy the book to um know the story behind the title of the book which is a really fun beautiful one as well so yeah yes, so it's an ongoing story that continues yes it to is yeah mm -hmm. yeah 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 so um i don't know any any other what what's um ahead for you i know you were going to see you at camp widow in tampa but yeah. um anything on the horizon for you that you'd like to talk about Things. Um, I'll be doing a, a couple different comedy shows coming up. Um, one is in person at some point in July. July is when uh, Don died. And so every July, I like to do something, you know, big on a big scale to, to honor that day. Um, so I think we're going to be doing a comedy show this year um, somewhere here in Massachusetts. So I don't know the details yet, but um, it will be, you know, like a pay it forward comedy show type thing. Um, and that money, some of that money will be going to Soaring Spirits International. So, oh, fabulous. Awesome. Yeah. And then um, I'm also doing another comedy show uh, for a foundation called Death is Hilarious, <laughs> which I love that name. Wow. And, <laughs> and um, yeah, it's it, it's an it's another uh, com com comedic widowed person that she she has a podcast and a foundation, mm. and um, I'll be doing a comedy show uh, that's a fundraiser for that foundation, and that is actually the same weekend as Camp Widow, but it's on Zoom. So okay, the information will be out a little bit later, but yes, yeah. Yes, yes. 
Um, a Kelly Lynn Life is my website. So if you go there, I, I usually post everything that's coming up. Okay. And we, we are um, still very um, novice at this thing, but um, <laughs> we should be able to put those things on the, on the website, on the website. With, the, mm -hmm. with the podcast. So, yeah. That wow. <laughs> Thank you so oh, much for doing this. Oh, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, like, you know, I know these things, you know, you have to end it at some point, right? But I, I feel know. like we talked for, like, two weeks straight. I you know. know. And you know what? We we could absolutely do this again, you know? Mm -hmm. we, it feels like it was five minutes. Again. I know. I'm looking at the time, and I'm like, oh, my gosh, we kept her on for this long. <laughs> but we very like much it. appreciate it. Yeah, um, absolutely. We... Um, I mean, this, the, the whole podcast thing is an evolving thing. So yeah, um, love your ideas, love love to have you back, you know. Yeah, I would love that. Yeah, I would love absolutely. that. Yeah, yeah. Can't wait to see you at camp, Kelly. Um, oh my God, I can't wait either. I'm very excited. It's so wonderful to go and- I get and, to see Kelly. Yes, and yes. And see all the wonderful people and to be in person again. I know. I know. I'm so, I'm I know. so excited. Um, I, I almost feel like I don't know what it's going to be like to see people without their masks at mm -hmm. this point. Right. <laughs> Wait, who, who I, oh my gosh. You know, there was a joke about the lower face, the lower half of the face. Yeah. Like we used to think it wasn't that important. And that when I see people with a mask, yep. I've constructed what the lower face looks like. And then, yeah, and then they, they take, take it off the mask and you're like, off, what? That is not what I had. <laughs> that is not what I pictured. Exactly. I've had a lot of that going on. <laughs> so. uh -huh. yeah, I've been surprised by a lot of lower half faces. Yes, yes. Well, thank you so much for doing this, Caroline. And yes, we'll do it again. And um, we'll, once we get all the technical stuff figured out, we will mm -hmm. have you up and on and people can enjoy it yes do you thank a, you do you guys have a theme song for your podcast we we do <laughs> are you thinking <laughs> of creating one for us <laughs> no i was just thinking you know with your name sade i don't know you i know right i know yeah i don't have that kind of talent <laughs> <laughs> yeah thank well. god that you can buy you can buy this stuff online <laughs> right exactly oh <laughs> Thank you so much, Kelly. We have so Thank enjoyed you. having you with us yes. today. What a gift. So very Thank much. Yes. Thank you guys yes. both. I can't wait to see you. All right. We'll do it. We'll be in a couple of days. It should be ready. So. Okay. All Thank right. Thank you. Say hi to Nick and I'll see you soon. Yay. See Yay. you soon. Bye. 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 <laughs>